It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. In today's show... We're doing some correlation stuff, year to year, what's predictive, what isn't, what we can bank on, what we can't. Is it dry? Maybe a little bit, but I actually think there's a ton you can get out of this. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. I guess I should have said you can find me on X at RedRock underscore Beeble. That will never sound stupid. Again, why are we changing the name? What is going on? It doesn't matter. I, I could rant about this forever. I won't though. Anyway, it's Twitter. You know what it is, at RedRock underscore Beeble. Now, a couple of weeks ago, while I was away, I had pre-recorded a video looking at individual stat correlations. What we talked about there was more important for category leagues, saying when someone gets high points, they are a high turnover player as a general rule. If someone has high usage or high minutes, they're better in fantasy points. To tell you what things can pair together, what things make sense to target in individual drafts, how you're looking at punting, like if you're getting high points and assists, well, your turnovers are just going to be high, and you can't really do much about that. And the things that sort of marry up together and the things that don't. Right, this is a little bit different. It's the same theory, correlations, Go check out how correlations work. We're talking R-squared type numbers. Um, if something is a zero in a correlation, that means there is no relationship at all between the two things. They are absolutely not related. If it is a one, it means they are perfectly correlated. It means that as one thing changes, the other one changes absolutely in line with that. If it is like 0.75 or above, it is strongly correlated. If it is like 0.4 to 0.6 or 0.7, it's sort of 
we, you know, moderately correlated. If it's under 0.4, those numbers vary. Under 0.4, it's very weakly correlated. So you're going to see as we go through these things here, these individual stats, we're going to look at minutes. We're going to look at games played. We're going to look at the standard fantasy uh, categories, which are standard box score stats, as well as percentages versus the 22-23 season correlated to the 21-22 season. So what happened year on year, but also comparing 22-23 to an average of the previous three seasons, 1920, 2021, and 21-22, to see how things work on a year-to-year basis, but also based on the recent history of that player. And there's always going to be outlier type things, but the idea of getting a sample, I looked at the top 300 players from this season to try and get a good sample so that those outliers don't impact too much. Um, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about how those things correlate, why it's important. Well, we'll get into that. Actually, should I get into it now? Yeah, why it's important. Because you will hear many different things about, well, this player might just jump up here, or he's going to decrease here, or he's going to get much worse, or he's going to get much better. When in general, when we look at these numbers, it'll be able to see where the big changes can happen, where the smaller changes happen, and what is more predictive of a player's performance versus last year or the previous years and what's stronger, what's weaker. This will this will make sense. I hope it does make sense. And there is quite a bit to take away. For this last season was the first time I did this. I've taken it a little bit further this year. Last year, I only did looking at year on year. So looking at last year, I did 21-22 versus 20-21. That's it. Now I'm doing it year on year plus a three-year previous average to see if there's any change with that. And the finding that we came away last season was that steals was the most was the weakest correlated category out of your standard box score numbers and I think that further illustrated my feelings on the importance of steals in rankings or the the lower importance because they just can be the most variable thing year on year game on game week on week we'll see if that plays out again in this year's stats I know the answer but we'll reveal it in a second we're going to start off though by looking at games played warning Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> Why is this important? Because people love to tell us about players that are injury prone. That is one of the things that gets bandied about all the time. I, I'm actually not going to draft Flamelo Ball. Uh, he's always hurt. I'm just not going to draft him. I'm not going to draft Chet Hong when he can't stay healthy. Um, and I've got some data. And if you are watching on YouTube, you can see the data now. The data is, and I did this in a video last year as well, and it was a similar result is that games played year on year isn't really very strongly correlated. A player, and you know my common phrase, a player is injury prone until they are not. Shout out to Derek White playing every game this season after being injured for the three previous years. A player is an Ironman until they are not. Shout out to Russell Westbrook playing every game of his career and then missing bunches of games and now being healthy again. Shout out to Carlingsley Towns playing every game of his career. And now he can't stay healthy. Shout out to Mikhail Bridges, who's played every game of his career so far. But that doesn't mean a single thing as we move forward. Shout out to Damian Lillard, who was an Ironman and played every game and now gets hurt. You cannot, there is no massive predictive value in games played, in a player getting hurt. It's not predictive. Now, there are certain things we can look at, but even that doesn't work. Kristaps Porzingis, man, he's got a really bad knee. Oh yeah, so what did he play? 68 games, 70 games, above average this season? If you use prior year's games played issues as a huge determining factor in a fantasy player's valuation, I think you will be wrong. It's as simple as that. I think that is a mistake. And 
this is what the numbers bear out. Now, there are there's obviously a lot of nuance involved in it. But when you, we go through all of the other correlations of every other thing they look at, this stands out like absolute dog's balls. So what about the numbers? Again, I looked at the top 300 guys. I didn't you know, count rookies because obviously their games played for the previous years would be zero and that would skew the numbers. This is a relatively good representative sample size. Now, this is not, it's not to say there's no correlation because there is some correlation, but this is games played. 22-23 versus 21-22. The correlation is 0.399. That is weekly correlated. Weekly. That means that it is not a strong correlation at all. And again, a spoiler alert, most other correlations are above 0.8, which is a very high correlation. So, what about if we look at the 23 season, the one that just completed, versus the previous three seasons and an average of games played for those for those years? How does that how does that work? Well, I'll tell you. It's similarly weak. It's a little bit better, but it's similarly weak. 0.43. So we are looking at this, and again, you will throw... I'm sure there will be plenty of people who listen to this and go, well, that doesn't mean anything. Josh, I know when a player is injury-prone. I know when he's going to miss time, and I know the guys I'm avoiding, and I'm always going to avoid these injury-prone guys at the top of drafts and all that sort of stuff. And I, I, I do understand it. I do understand how hard it is as humans to completely just erase things that we think have happened or the things that just happened last season. Like, people will go into this year and go, man, look at Brook Lopez, played like every game. Look at Chris Middleton. I'm not drafting him again. Um, he missed all this time. Look at Derek White, man. He's an Iron Man. People will have that idea, and it's really hard. And you, you look at rankings, and man, he was durable. He played all these games. It doesn't mean shit, really. Like there is, a, it is a weak correlation, but it's not something you should base every decision on. Now, if, again, if there are guys with si- serious situations, Kawhi Leonard, that that's a problem. Very clearly, guys entering this season with injuries, it's a problem. There's not a huge amount of those guys this season. There are some, but there's not a huge amount of those guys. That'll be another video. But the correlation is very weak for games played year on year or year versus the previous three seasons average. It's a very weak correlation. And that is really important that when you you will get 100% skewed. If you rostered LaMelo Ball last season, I know that you in your head will be going, no way. I had him last season. He killed me. There's no way I'm touching him. Can't stay healthy. Right, if you had Mikael Bridges, I'll draft him in the second round. He never gets hurt. Okay, that's what happened. These numbers are trying to show to us it does not mean what will happen. And yes, Bridges has done it for five years or six years, and he will have, knock on wood, a season coming up in the next one, two, three, who knows when, when he plays twenty games or he plays fifty games or he'll have a string of seasons where he plays sixty-three. Something will happen. You are not Wolverine. You cannot prevent yourself breaking a hand. You cannot prevent yourself going up for dunking, undercut, landing on your back and getting a tailbone bruise or someone running through your knee and tearing ACL. You, You can't stop that. It just happens. Again, we always look at each case individually as to what the what the situation is. And I think this these numbers are more helpful when talking about guys when you look at their numbers from last year and go, well, he was always available. Availability is the best ability. Yeah, he's always there. He plays. The totals values are so high. That that to me is where this number helps the most because it comes in and tells you that just because someone was healthy doesn't mean they will stay healthy. Now if someone was hurt, if someone was hurt and has been injured and there are serious ongoing problems, 
then yeah, that can correlate a little bit across. But I think it's more important that if you're going to place a outsized value on the games played from someone the year before at the high end, it's not really a winning formula. And this was the exact same situation when I correlated it through last year as well. It's the same stuff. It is a weak correlation and it is not something that you should bank, you should base your fantasy drafting strategy on. You can disagree with me and I know you will. And if you are going to disagree, drop it in the comments. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me the guys that you're always avoiding and the guys that you're definitely drafting because of their health. I will never approach it that way because I, I feel like the numbers and also the eye test and the way that I look at things will show that it just shit happens. Players get injured. It just happens. And players who were injured get healthy. And I am not, I cannot sit here and tell you when or if, or if not, it's going to happen. I just can't. So I don't, if I can't have any predictive ability of it, I won't try to do it. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangel. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball and Fangel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 that you can spend betting on the money line. You can spend betting on over-unders. You can spend betting on individual player props. You can spend betting on who's going to hit the first home run. You can spend betting on World Series futures. You can spend betting on NBA award futures or NBA championship futures or Eastern Conference championship futures, whatever it is. You can do all of that on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, we talked about games played correlation. Now, we're going to get into a bunch of other stuff. And, is again, I'll give you a slight spoiler. You want a slight TLDR? Most of these are fairly tightly correlated. There's pretty good correlation year on year for most other stats, apart from games played. Minutes. Minutes for a player. Again, I looked at the top 300 players. I ended up deleting about 20 players out of that group because they were rookies or whoever they were. That It, it, it could skew the sample because of, um, you know, they played one game a season or they played, uh, they only, they've only played one year or all that sort of stuff. So we end up with about 283 players or something, whatever, whatever it is. The correlation year to year for minutes is 0.82. Very strong. The correlation for minutes last season versus an average of the previous three seasons is 0.0805. So not quite as good. So the more important thing with minutes is looking at last season's minutes. Again, individual context is very important. What a player did last season does correlate pretty strongly to their minutes the next season, but it's always going to be important to look at the individual situations. And you think of guys who left teams um, and moved into different roles or moved into larger roles or moved into smaller roles. Tyus Jones, his minutes are going to rise because he's going to be the starting point guard in Washington. His minutes are going to go up. 
So it's not like, a, well, Tyus Jones played 20 minutes a game or whatever it was, 22 minutes a game last season. Therefore, these correlations will tell me he's going to play 22 minutes a game again. That's not how it all works. But as a general rule, when, you, rule, when you're looking at like your, these interesting like Kyle Anderson types or um, your Jaden McDaniels, you're not going to get huge amounts of guys jumping up significantly. And this includes players like Trey Murphy, who went from 13 minutes to 31 minutes. The correlation was still really strong in year-to-year minutes or minutes from last season versus an average over the previous three years. It's a really strong correlation, meaning that there's not wild variances as a general rule in players' minutes year on year. I think we sort of understand that. That's not, again, I'm going to do, I do individual minutes projections for every single player in the NBA uh, for a season-long perspective and on a game-by-game basis. And I, that does vary a bit. But as a general rule, minutes are you know, sort of relatively stable. They're not the most stable stat. They're not the most, but they're pretty stable. Points are a very stable stat. 0.895 was the correlation last year versus this season. That's incredibly tightly correlated. Scoring stays similar. There are always outliers. Players moving into larger roles. Jordan Poole will be one of those guys this season. Kyle Kuzma probably will be in Washington as well. Someone like Keldon Johnson might lose because Victor Weminyama's there, going from a number one option to a number two option. Jalen Green might lose because Fred Van Vliet joins the team. All this stuff happens, right? But as a general rule, points are correlated 0.895 year on year and 0.865 compared to the last three years average. That's a really tight correlation. It is what, what that tells us or should tell us, I believe, is that it's very it's not likely that you get these big scoring breakout players happening regularly. If someone's a scorer, they can be a scorer. If someone's not a scorer, they're not a scorer as a general rule. So when we, if we're looking at someone and banking it, well, I think he's going to average 10 more points per game this season, your immediate reaction should be, uh, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. Big steps forward are not as likely. It's more likely to correlate through. The same goes to rebounds. Not quite as tight as points, but pretty close. 0.888 year on year, 0.872 over the last three years. Again, a very strong correlation of a rebound. And these aren't rebounds per 36. This isn't rebound percentage. This is pure rebounds per game. The numbers correlate that tightly. If you average 10 rebounds one season, you're probably going to average close to 10 rebounds again. And this is, again, I think this ties back to a large point of fantasy rankings and fantasy drafting is that because these things correlate so tightly year on year, is that small changes have big impacts in ranking. You might go from 10 rebounds, and if you go down to 9.3, pretty close in the overall scheme of things, right? It's a pretty close number. It's not that big of a difference. It's one extra rebound over two games. That's all it is. But that can influence your ranking by 10 spots or eight spots. So what I'm trying to get out there is that those numbers, even if they are, they are players have a very similar statistical profile and a very similar statistical numbers, that small change, because everyone else is suffering through small changes, all that, all that takes, and that's why when we get outside of the first 10 and first 20 and you get into the zone of a draft of 35 to 80, those players are all, they're not the same, but they're all pretty close to it. And all it takes is a small change of a guy becoming a seven rebound player from a 6.4 rebound player, and that jumps him 15 spots. And another bloke goes from 6.4 up to 7.2. Again, still tightly correlated, but it jumps them up or jumps them down or whatever it is. And that's how tight all that stuff marries in. Assists, 
it's the same. 0.890 year on year, 0.881 versus the last three years. A relatively stable statistic. We saw all of these numbers last year as well. They were, everything was really tightly correlated when we looked at it last year outside of games played. And this should also give you an indication of just how uh, extreme the correlation difference is with games played versus the individual statistics. But the thing that came up again is steals. Now, a 0.744 correlation, which is what it is for steals year on year, is still relatively good. But when you contrast it with everything else, which is 0.88, 0.89, it's very low. And we saw that the, the glimmering example of it was DeJounte Murray, who led the league or second in the league in steals per game the year before, jumped him out of nowhere to be a top 10 player or top 15 player, however you want to view your rankings in the 21-22 season in San Antonio. And I will do this again this season, but I did it last season. I said, when you're looking at the players who are the absolute statistical outliers, whose value comes from being top two or top three in the individual category, you have to always be looking at that and thinking, well, there's probably a decrease. If you average 3.3 blocks, you might go to 2.7. Still really good, but a big drop. If you shoot 45% from three, and then you go to 41%, you're still a good shooter, but you're not hitting that absolute outlier number, and that impacts everything. And the biggest one that impacts is steals. Now, not one single player in the NBA this season averaged two steals per game, which is pretty wild. But didn't, you know, you expect there's going to be at least someone average two steals a game. But there wasn't. No one, actually, you know what? I lie. That's not true. Big Shaq Harrison. Big Shaq. He averaged 2.2 steals. Now he played five games, so it doesn't count. But in terms of the league leaders, Ananobi averaged 1.9. Dylan Wright, 1.8. Jimmy Butler, 1.8. Van Vliet, 1.8. Shea, 1.7. Melton, 1.6. Halliburton, 1.6. Edwards, 1.6. Trent, 1.6. You'll notice that I had to get go all the way down to number 14 to see DeJounte Murray, and he went to 1.5. Big drop. This is what happens. Steals, and this the same data bared out last season as well. Steals are the most or second... Close to second most, because another category we'll talk about later. Variable stat year on year. The year on year is 0.744. The steals versus the last three is 0.754. That is still a really strong correlation. Don't get me wrong. It's you know, Good steals players will still be good steals players, but there is a bigger, much bigger variance in year-to-year steals numbers. And because they're a low-volume number, going from 2 to 1.5, which is one steal every two games, makes you drop probably 30 ranking spots. That that's did that's basically what Dejounte did this season. A few other things impacted that too, All right? But that is showing that steals again are well out of what we've done so far the least correlated statistic year on year and year versus the last three. The same sort of stuff. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. 
Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Blocks, even though they are a low volume number, they were a little bit better than steals. 0.821 year on year. It's a bit better. And 0.847 over the last three. Blocks, um, I guess that's more because it's it's not, not a... Back to steals. Steals can be fluky, right? Some of it is you. Some of it is you picking someone's dribble, going past them, getting your hands in there. But some of it is also someone just throwing a horrible pass and you stand there and go, oh, I guess I got the steal. And as we said, a steal is so low volume that if you get one of those every two games, your steal rate jumps half a steal a game. Just from someone throwing you a ball that you didn't actually do anything to deserve. Blocks, it's more it's more skill-based. This Not to say there's no skills in steals, because there is. But blocks is more skill-based. You've got to go up and actually block the shot. You can't accidentally block a shot. You can't be standing there and someone shoots it off your head. And you go, oh, I guess i got to block. It doesn't work that way. You've got to be in the position, protecting the rim, deterring, getting the shots. And we tend to know that as you get older, the more minutes you play, your block rate does drop as you stay out of foul trouble and understand that you know, swatting the shit out of balls is not the best defense all the time. It sometimes is deferring the shot in general or causing a kick out or whatever and stopping players attacking. But still, st- block numbers are relatively strongly correlated year on year. I was pretty surprised to see how strongly correlated field goal percentage was. 0.879 year on year and 0.920 over the last three years. I thought we'd see bigger, bigger change. Bigger, bigger? That's terrible English. Much bigger changes in field goal percentage over the course of years as players improved and improved and improved. And I think if we looked at the correlation of younger players, we'd see more improvement there. But overall, you, who you are as a shooter is who you are as a shooter. Like it doesn't, it doesn't change that much. And I was surprised at that. I, I thought we'd see a lot more variance in it, especially over a three-year period. But over a three-year period, it actually got tighter, the correlation. So we go in there and a lot, we have a lot of hopium sometimes for players. Well, now he's playing with better teammates. He'll get way more open look. Shout out to you, Bradley Beal. So the, the shots are net, they're going to go up. And, well, the field goal percentage is going to go up. And anecdotally, without me looking at this, a lot of the times we think that, it doesn't turn out. The, always the number one example I have in my head. And there are plenty of counter examples of this, I'm sure. But Kemba Walker going from Charlotte to Boston. You go, well, man, he had to do everything in Charlotte. He had to take every shot and all the tough ones. He was a number one option. He goes to Boston. He can play with Tatum and Brown. He's going to see more open looks, and the shooting is going to go up. And it didn't. He was just the same guy. Now, again, there are probably plenty of counterexamples to this, but I remember the Kemba Walker one because I was sort of buying in on that. And I think there was a Mike Conley one of those as well, where we saw him going to different teams, playing alongside Donovan Mitchell, expecting big jumps, and it didn't really happen. But you know, when I have that... I. I see the correlation year on year or versus the last three years for field goal percentage. And I have those examples that prove it. Well, do they prove it? The numbers prove it. The examples illustrate it. Like the Kemba one or the Mike Conley one. Um, that sticks in my head versus the counter examples, which are the, as we love to say, the exception to the rule. Because the rule is that field goal percentage is relatively stable year on year. Free throw percentage is a different one. Now, last season, free throw percentage, when I looked at these numbers, was the equal worst correlation along with steals. Maybe not even equal worst. It might have actually been the outright worst. I'm going to go and have a look at that. Last season, steals was 0.71 correlated across. And 
free throw percentage was 0.73. So no, steals was worse and, and free throws was second worst. This season, it steals worse again and free throws are a little bit strongly, more strongly, 0.799. What is very interesting to me here about the free throws is that year on year, we get variance, 0.0788. Again, that is still a relatively strong correlation. But when rebounds, assists, points, threes, they're all sort of stuck in there at that 0.88 moment. No, no, did I even do three pointers? I think I did three pointers. Now I'm like doubting myself. Did I put three pointers in here? I think I did threes. I hope I did. Anyway, um, the year to year free throws changes more than anything else apart from steals. But when you compare free throws versus the previous three seasons, they're at the same level of correlation, which is really interesting. It might not be interesting for those of you. And again, if you're not into stats like this, you're probably still not watching. So shout out to you nerds and sickos who are here with me discovering this info. But the interesting thing with free throws, if someone has a weird free throw drop or a huge free throw jump, that might not be as important as what have they done over the previous three seasons. That might be more indicative of how they are as a shooter as we move forward. So big drops and big jumps forward. And there are going to be counterexamples to that too. Russell Westbrook took a big dip and never recovered. Andrew Wiggins took a big dip and never recovered. But guys, and this is another one of those nice outlier numbers, players who shoot 92% from the free throw line, if they drop to 85%, still great, but way down in the impact. If you go from 88 to 83, still great, but a big dip in impact. And it's more valuable to look at what a player shot from the line for three years versus what it is year on year. Whereas the other stats... It's basically the same. Year on year, year on two years, year on three years, it's all the same. Much like with turnovers. Year to year, strongly correlated. 8.874 versus the last three years, 0.861. The same numbers. Does that tell us much? Not really. It's, it ties in with assists. That assists and turnovers are strongly correlated. They're strongly correlated year on year. They're strongly correlated to each other. We know this. If you have the ball in your hand, you're throwing passes, you're more likely to get the ball stolen. Easy. Very, very simple. Turnovers stay relatively consistent. Three-point percentage, one of the weaker correlations, even though it is strong. And like free throw percentage, you get a better indication of a player's three-point ability by looking at their numbers over the previous three seasons. Year to year, it's 0.813. Still very good. Still very good. Obviously weaker than points and rebounds and assists and blocks and threes. Weaker than all those but stronger than free throws and stronger than steals. But if we look at three-point percentage over the previous three seasons, it's up to 0.850. So again, if someone had a big rise in three-point percentage or a big drop in three-point percentage, it might be worth looking at what they did over the previous three seasons to understand how they might perform moving forward rather than just looking at that last season as a pure indicator of what they're going to do as we move forward. If someone went from 39 to 30, it doesn't mean they're going to be a 30% guy Moving forward, if they were 39, 39, 39, then 30, then probably they're more likely to be a 37, 38% shooter is what these numbers, I think, tell us. It's not a big gap, 0.813 versus 0.850. But there is just like free throw percentage, the stabilization of attempts over three years is more important in those two stats than it is over the other counting type numbers. And the last one we're going to do, I didn't look at this one on a three-year average situation. I'm just looking at it year on year, and that's usage, and it stays basically the same. 
0.891 is the correlation usage from 22.23 to 21.22. There will be individual outliers, and that's often as we talked about on that individual statistic correlation show, when looking at, hey, the players who have higher usage score more fantasy points and higher usage have better fantasy rank. Um, and looking for those guys who we think, Larry Markkinen, are going to be in situations where they jump their usage up, Jordan Poole, Tyus Jones, those, those guys are important because most other players stay around a similar level in usage as that number will show. There will be outliers and targeting the outliers... We know that usage is very important for fantasy points and it's quite important for fantasy category rank. And if most people are staying very similar in usage numbers, finding the guys who are going to jump way up or go way down, Bradley Beal, is important for understanding who are busts and who are sleepers and how ADP and site rankings impact that. So is that the big takeaway from this? Yeah, I think that with the two big takeaways are, again, games played are not strongly correlated. And I think it's more important for the guys that stay healthy. Nikola Vucevic, does that mean he's going to play 82 games this season? Or might he play 67? It's more important to go, well, there's actually no predictive number or value in that high games played the year before. And the other thing is understanding that things like rebounds and assists and usage rate stays static. And finding the ones who are going to go up or down in big ways is where you determine steals and busts and sleepers and things like that. And also understand that steals as a general fantasy category is still the most volatile year on year. Solid correlation, but nowhere near as much as the others. I understand that's a very dry subject, but there is a ton to get out of it. And I will reference this ad nauseum throughout the season because it's important to have this background information. And there's also nothing else going on in the NBA at the moment. I don't even know what I'm going to do tomorrow for the show, but it'll be good. Maybe it'll be something. There'll be a show out for sure. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Odyssey app if you're on YouTube. You thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.